Greetings, everyone, and welcome to podcast number 17. I am Patrick from Patrick Compton's Photography, your host for today. I hope everyone had a great holiday and Thanksgiving and got to spend some quality time with your family and friends. Today's podcast is all about a question that I had from uh, a fellow photographer while we were out shooting uh, some wildlife together, and uh, his common question was, what's the best f-stop for wildlife? Now that question right there is a very open-ended question in the sense that I don't think that there are specific f-stops that you need to use in certain situations, but I do think there are more optimal f-stops for certain situations than in others. That got us to talking about the other camera settings like shutter speed and ISO, which I wanted to address in this podcast as well. The first question was, what's the best f-stop? I typically am around f8, which if you read a lot of wildlife blogs and things like that, most wildlife photographers, if they do it professionally, they seem to hover between f5.6 and f8. And they can get higher than that or lower than that, depending on what the circumstances dictate. You know, with the aperture, the f-stop, the one thing that you want to always try and achieve is a nice soft background that might be out of focus. So the subject, it just pops visually and it hits the viewer right between the eyes. That can be done at higher f-stops, but then you get into the distance to background conversation and things like that if you start to use higher f-stops. But... As a rule of thumb, I'm generally around f8 uh, when I shoot, which is great. For shutter speed, I just stick to the rule of thumb that it should be at least as long as the longest zoom on your lens. So, for example, if you have a 70 to 300 zoom and you're shooting birds, I would think that your shutter speed should be around 300 at least. If you're shooting a 200 to 400, then it needs to be at least 400 uh, to get a nice clear picture. But again, those rules aren't set in stone and there are times when you may have uh, different settings in your camera and that's fine. You know, whatever works for you and it's going to be again dictated by the specific situation. With regards to the ISO, you know, we went round and around on this one because a lot of times he wants to shoot in the basement, the lowest native ISO for his camera, which is fine because he's worried about noise. But with today's digital DSLRs and even the mirrorless cameras now, you can shoot at higher ISOs and there's barely, if any, noise when it's at 100% or 200% crop. So I have no problem with getting the ISO a little bit higher And I use the ISO more as a guide to make sure that I get the shutter speed that I want. Um, A lot of times I will start in aperture priority, and uh, that's dependent upon the light situation. I often switch to manual where I can control the settings, and I'll look at the ambient light and get that set. And if I'm using flash, that's a whole other level of Um, I don't want to say difficulty because flash is tricky. You need to know how to apply that and not blast the subject, but just make it so subtle that it accentuates the subject. And that can be a tricky um, skill to learn when you're doing wildlife photography. And just as an aside, because this question came up as well when we were using flash, it doesn't scare the subjects. 
a lot of people think that that flash or that pop of light might scare the, the birds away or something like that. It gets their attention, but it doesn't necessarily scare them away. So I just wanted to get that out there. So that was a conversation that we had, and, and we never really did come to a specific conclusion, but we did do a lot of experimentation with regards to playing around with the f-stops and the shutter speeds and, and the ISO. And I think when we looked at the images later on in our Lightroom program, I think he uses Photo Mechanic, I'm not sure, but we could tell that, for example, when he was shooting at ISO 100, a lot of times the eyes were sharp, which is fine. That has to be paramount in any portrait of a critter. But the beak, in this case, when he was shooting a bird, might have been a little bit soft versus getting that tack sharp or pin sharp as well, along with the eyes, if he had perhaps used a little bit um, higher ISO and been able to get his shutter speed a little bit higher. So there, there's definitely trade-offs, but those are my general rules of thumb when I go out shooting wildlife. And I tell him, as I tell most others, a lot of these things that I practice before I go out on the field, I learn in my backyard shooting the native wildlife, whether that be a squirrel or the birds or... Um, you know, small mammals, whatever that may be. I try to get all of the settings right and play around with that so that when I go on a trip, I have a general idea of where I'm going to be for what given situation. And that's very, very helpful. It's basically practicing what, what you preach. So that's a great way to do it. It's inexpensive and it can easily be done on your own time. So that might be a nice little uh, tip for someone to uh, start beginning. So wanted to do this short, sweet little podcast just to get those topics out of the way and let everyone know that uh, I am on the web at patrickcomptisphotography.com, also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you give me a shout out, I will be happy to return the favor uh, on all of those. So until next time, everybody have a great day time and a great day and we'll see you next time.